Welcome back. Hello, welcome everybody. Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of the Guys Telling Stories podcast. I'm Rich Douglas. And I'm Bill Easton. And guys, we are happy to have you back for another episode. I'm excited about today. I know. I know. Bill, what's, uh, what's got you so I'm more pumped? excited about yesterday. What happened yesterday? My new friend, Jungle Jack Hanna, he uh, tweeted our last podcast with Jared Miller. Thank you to Jack Hanna and his team at for uh, for sharing the story. There's been just so many different people and fans who have taken these episodes and shared them. I think that's kind of where where and why we got to where we're at today, Bill. Thank you. So anyway, um, on Twitter, if you want to follow us, it is Guys Tell Stories. As always, we're still looking for those reviews. You can write us a simple one, five stars, just by going to guystellingstories.com backslash review. That's guystellingstories.com backslash review. All right, so we have some news, Bill. New news? It's new news, of course. What we're looking for is for some of the fans and listeners out there to go ahead and show us some love and support the show. Oh, yeah, that's important. We're looking to do a couple things like update the equipment. We have some interview requests for people that live a little bit further away. So I think we might try to hit the road. So for those of you out there looking to show your support, you can head on over to guystellingstories.com and click on the support the show link. Yep, and uh, for donations, we also can... um Give you some stuff back. You know, there's different levels of pledging, and uh, based on what you pledge us, yeah, you know, like uh, we'll we'll do things. Yeah, we love giving social media shout outs. We have some VIP events a few times a year, Mm -hmm. and honestly, the season so far is going really well, and we're asking you to help make it even better in the future by heading on over to guystellingstories.com and clicking on that support the show link. So please go check it out. You can also find us on the Facebook, Guys Telling Stories. Twitter, we mentioned earlier, Guys Tell Stories, and our Instagram account, Guys Telling Stories. All right. Well, our guest for today is someone that I had to do quite a bit of research on, Bill. She is a national leader in her field. She is a technology writer, blogger. Blogger. She is a technology business owner. She was named a 40 under 40 in her field. She is the type of person who will be presenting at these national tech conferences. You go to Las Vegas, you go to Texas, you sign up for a workshop, go listen to somebody speak. Well, she's the one speaking. So what we're going to do is hear about how she got her start. Our guest for today is Heather Sidorowitz, and she invited us to her huddle room, she called it, Bill. It is a huddle room. A huddle room. Not huddle house. No, a huddle room. Again, in doing my research for the business world, this is the type of room that has extremely comfortable chairs and whiteboards and TVs. And you, you sit there and you huddle and have a maybe a quick five, ten minute little session. And then when you're done, you break the huddle, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, let's head on over to Heather Sidorowitz's place of business. She is the owner of Southtown Audio Video. And I'm excited to hear about how she got her start in business and how she became a national leader in her field of technology. All right. All right. Let's head on. Let's go. We are very excited for today's guest, president and owner at Southtown Audio Video. 
Guys and girls, put your hands together for Heather Sidorowitz. Thanks for being here, Heather. Welcome to the Guys Telling Stories podcast. Why, thank you. Happy to be here. Now, before we get too deep into uh, our podcast here, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Well, you can find the wonderful company of Southtown Audio Video at www.southtownav.com. You can find me, Tech Chi, it's uh, on Twitter, Tech underscore Chi, C-H-I. And of course, all the other fun social medias like Facebook. Well, Heather, you gave us your Twitter because I know you do uh, some writing on the side and I'm sure we're going to get to that as well. But also, a lot of times with these podcasts, we like to bring it back to the beginning. So... You've been in the technology world for over a decade. Where did you begin on your path? I, here's my little known secret. I went to college for theater. Hello. I did. I did. I was an, I was, I was an actress and uh, oh. it was fun. It was, it was great fun, especially in college. About most of my way through college, I realized that I was not the best. <laughs> and uh, I did not want to live paycheck to paycheck. And I kind of panicked a bit at that point. Um, what, what to do? What to do with your life? Um, so I went to the business school and said, hey, you know, I want to get a minor in marketing. And they said, no, too late. So um, I did some marketing, some business classes. I graduated with my theater degree. And um, my first job out of college was selling pagers. Remember pagers? Remember pagers. So uh, I, I was outside sales. I had a territory. I would go door to door. I felt like Alice in Wonderland. I, uh, sometimes you would knock on a door of a decrepit old building and you would find it beautiful inside. Other times you would open a door to a beautiful building and you would find a guy smoking sitting on a bucket. So uh, it was excellent experience. I recommend it for everyone who's going to do sales ever. In Tell me life. more about the bucket guy. <laughs> I could, but then I'd have to kill you. Was he sitting upside, like bucket upside down, playing the bongos? Was he or? stuck in the bucket? Just sitting there, hanging out. You know, before we go too much further, I got to ask my buddy Bill over here. Bill, did you have a pager? No, I've never had a pager. I have never had a pager either. Because you're too young. You're both too young for pagers. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. right? Was your first cell phone a flip phone? It was not. I've it never was... had a flip phone. See? Too young. Hashtag too young. Hashtag too young. No, my first cell phone was a like almost like a block, like it almost looks like a hot dog bun. If you just took one out of the package, that's kind of smushed. So the buttons are right there. Mm -hmm. There's no text messaging. There's no data. I think there's a little antenna on it. And it was, I think, like $46 a month, maybe 36 <laughs> I can't remember. It's a steal now. I put a walkie-talkie in a hot dog bun and gave it to you. <laughs> The Jesus, truth, call truth me. Truth comes out. Yeah. Let's get off pagers then and uh, bring it back over to you. Uh, where were you living during those days? How old were you? I was in my early 20s and I lived um, Amherst, Buffalo-ish area. Um, I got married in 2000, so it was around that time. From there, I ended up in development for a weird short stint. And uh, I went to a home show and went through a booth of an audio video company. And in this booth, they had The Matrix playing. Now, you're not too young to remember The Matrix, right? It's a great movie. It's great one of my movie. favorites. So we, we know the scene where there's the big shoot-up in the, in the bus station, and bullets are ricocheting off the building, and this scene is in surround sound at this audio-video company. And people are like, you know, the, the guys in it, wow! And 
I look to my left and there's a 10 year old ish child with just bug eyes because they don't understand that no one's really dying in the scene because they don't really <laughs> exist. Um, and they're just all bug eyed, freaking out about this shooting scene. And I thought right there, I think I can do this and I think I could do it better. Wow. Good. It was my epiphany. And it was scary. It was scary. So my father, he started South Town Audio Video in 1984. And I really had no interest. Right. My, my whole life I had no interest. Um, but until that moment. And it's almost maybe I was incepted. So uh, I came to my father. We, we had dinner. My husband, my mother, my father and I. And I said, uh, I think I'd like to try this. And... That's where it all began. I, I started, my office was inside a speaker room. I had a desk. It was from 1960. And uh, went through every page of every magazine that came across and just started to learn and get a feel for the business. It sounds like dad was already going. Were you working for dad at that time when you had that small office and you were going through every page? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because dad had started, right? 1984. He was, when I came in, we did car audio. We were really a satellite company at that point. So it was some satellite installers and they were going out a few times a day, putting satellite dishes up. Um, That was a big time because local channels were then available with satellite dishes. So yeah. we would take those that information, put it through. I mean, there. I think when there was maybe no computers, maybe one computer back then, and a bunch of picture tube TVs that if they were over 27 inches wide, uh, in size, I could not unload off a truck. Of course, yeah. I'd have to ask the guy to come back. He did not like that. <laughs> Talking to you, and, and this part wasn't really planned, but it, it really sounds like we're going into a time machine because you're bringing me back to a time when Everything was a lot simpler. In some ways, it certainly was. We could leave work because we could. We could be out of the office and there was just no getting a hold of someone. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, cell phones, pagers, they they really do help. But I can't remember a time when you would leave the house and not be able to maybe get a hold of mom or dad or... Or the kids. Now this is your company. That's how you got started. It was your your father started the company, and now you own it. I do and manage it and run it, and have to deal with uh, with all of that. Like, what made you decide that I'm going to take this? This is what I want to do. So, what made you? Is there a story behind you getting this and business? And there, there is, of course. So, you know, as I said, I, I was bitten by this bug, flowed through me, and I I really was excited to learn. I, I have memories of learning being at a table with my husband in a restaurant um, where we would draw out what high definition really was because at that time high definition didn't exist and we were just going from analog to digital and the analog sunset all sorts of exciting things so we would do home shows where I would do stage presentations teach people how to buy a tv this is the time that tv started to go thin so we went from picture two tvs to what is an lcd and we brought the first plasma to the Buffalo Home Show where people would tell me stories like, I heard it leaks. I heard you have to refill it. That's going to give you cancer. Oh, boy. Um, and I didn't know that that was what I wanted to do forever or take it over at that point. It was through hardships that got me there. It was through the difficulties um, uh, that really made me say, if I'm going to do this day to day and we're going to take on this difficulty, let's go for the good stuff too. Let's jump. 
I went through, UB has a program, the University of Buffalo, called the Center for Entrepreneurial Leadership. Have you heard of it? Yes, you are the second person that we've talked to who has... It's a life changer. Hashtag game changer. Um, So going through that program um, was really probably one of the toughest years of my entire life. And it makes you ask questions that you didn't know you wanted answers to. And through that, um, when I went through and you do a presentation on your company, and I said there's a 0.0% chance I'll ever own it. And a year later, I bought it. Wow. Mm -hmm. So this, this uh, tell us more about this program then, because we've heard about it with uh, a few of other guests and people that we know, but it sounds like the demands are pretty, pretty steep. They are and they are not. Okay. Um, you, it's a one-year program and you are set up with a mentor. That mentor kind of guides you, navigates you through. You, your final project would be is a 40, 45-minute presentation on your company. So I like to think of it as a master's program on your company. So whether you are the owner, just a big decision maker, um, somebody might be the owner, family member, you have to do this hands-on study, and they ask you questions that you didn't know how to get the answers for. So when's the last time you saw a balance sheet? What does your profits and loss statement look like? What's your marketing plan? What's your exit strategy? And I remember with the exit strategies, people saying, I want to sell the company. And I thought, you can't do that. You can't. I never knew that that was even an option for people to build something for somebody else to buy. It just never occurred to me because you get so stuck in your day-to-day myopicness that you don't take that step back to see what's tomorrow look like. What does it look like when I retire? Right. What do you want? What do you want out of this thing called life? That's a much bigger picture to Mm -hmm. consider than you know, what you have going on the next three months. You know, I always like to ask, and um, and it's it, it gets different answers, but was there anybody that encouraged you to take that jump, to move from working for dad to buying the company from dad? I, my husband. My husband's okay. been there through all the craziness and the tears and the laughter and, the, you know, all that, all that stuff. Um, bundled into one crazy person. He definitely has heard all my stories. So he definitely was one that when I came home one day after a really tough day at work um, and I said, you know, what do we do? And he said, let's jump. Let's let's go for it. And started that process. And, you know, that's how t- I always say family business is like taking logic, crumpling it up and throwing it out a window. And what I mean by that is it's emotionally based. Um, especially for my father who founded the company. It was his blood and sweat and tears, all literally, um, that that got this place going. He slept in the first building that he was ever in before an alarm system got hooked up. He took uh, he took the, the biggest, scariest leaps. I got to come into something that was already successful and and take a bigger step and get to do other things with it. But I didn't start it. I get to build upon it. Yeah. So what did your husband say or do to encourage you beyond that point of where you have an idea, but you're really not taking action towards it? I always say that he's like, um, I'm like on a diving board and there's the the water below and he pushes me off the diving board because okay. I don't want to jump. I, I'm there and I got that far and you should be proud of me because I'm standing on the diving board. He said, just jump. Um, so I think that's what it was. It was just being supportive enough and asking tough questions that sometimes I would get cranky about. Um, and 
making sure that it was there. CEL was a huge piece of that too. Having going through that program, you end up with almost a board of directors. They know all your dirty, dark secrets. They're, they've heard your stories, you've heard theirs, and that becomes this great support group. So they also, I could call and say, hey, I don't know what this means, or hey, I'm in this pickle, or um, hey, let's do some business together. Um, that also was a huge piece for, for me to be able to move forward, to, for me to have the confidence. I never knew there was a talent in talking. Right. Bill used to uh, bring this one up, but how about someone that discouraged you? That crushed your dreams. Crushed your dreams. And y- you don't have to name names, but was there that moment when someone told you you weren't good enough? You can't do this. Or said you, you can't, can't own do your own this, company. Called you crazy. Did that ever happen to you? That absolutely happens. Yeah. I, and it, it does happen. And and my song of, of that year, I, I, bought, I purchased the company January 1st of 2014. My song of January 13th was Florence and the Machine, Darkest Before the Dawn. Shake it up. Right, so I know the song. Right, you know the song. You're singing in your head right now. Shake it up. Um, You know, it's your devil on your back. It's I would just blast that song throughout that year, and and it because it it you do have to trudge through the mud to get there, and it's about not being afraid, and it's about going on. Sometimes it's about a breath at a time. You know, it it's not super easy, but it's it's just again. Not to sound repetitive, but it, it's about jumping. Um, it's about being darkest before the dawn. It's about following through. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about the the days or months leading up to signing those papers, to it finally being yours. There has to become a moment where if you wanted to call it off, you could. If you needed to go back to or maybe just delayed a couple months, dad maybe would have said yes. Maybe the paperwork could have been you know, delayed. Was there that? no turning back moment where you realized, no, we're, we're doing it because I just did this or got here. In family business, you can't turn back from day one. I feel that you, because it, no matter how difficult it gets or how many, how crazy the day might be, what's your alternative? You know, not talk to dad, you know, not sure. to have those issues. So it, it, it is certainly a commitment when I think you sign on. Um, my sister now works for the company. She's an installer and she's awesome. My joke is she's bred for this. Um, <laughs> I, I asked her today when I was reading through these questions, I said, when, when was a moment you think that you couldn't turn back? She said, oh, the day I told you I wanted to work here. Yeah. Well, so I think again, with family business, as soon as you decide emotionally to, to put yourself in there or, you know, she said, work for the devil. I tried to convince her I was not. It's uh, it, it's all uphill from there. Downhill, uphill. I'm going to ask Bill a little something. You, your dad has his own business. Did you? Yes, he does. Did you ever feel recruited or I guess I would say like uh, sucked in by obligated? the family? Yeah, obligated no. to. Never. He, what kind um, of business? He's an architect. Nice. He has, his, he has a, a firm. And he started right out of college and... Uh, worked hard, and when we were old enough to know that we eventually had to work for ourselves at some point, he discouraged uh, becoming an architect. <laughs> Thank goodness, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of artistic abilities, colorblind, and uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> so it was discouraged for me and my brother right out the get go. Um, and he, he, you know, we were encouraged to do what we, you know, do find something we like to do, and and. And go do it. 
and I'm thankful that that's that's what he and uh, mom have prescribed for us as kids because um, there is pressure and, and anytime your, your your parents do something you you feel that you know you always think about well what would happen if I would have done this or what what could I do to 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 do it but uh, I'm happy that I'm not an architect and, right. and he's happy that. I'm not an architect, and he's still practicing, and he loves it. So that's it's what he wanted to do, and he did it. And uh, I'm doing what I want to do. Well, that makes sense. Sometimes I feel like parents want to use their experience, their wisdom, to show you both sides of the coin, both roads you could take. And when you're making a decision like to not go into architecture or to not or get into the family business one way or the other, they, they still show you both paths. So, Heather, bringing it back to you, did uh, did Dad ever show you the the dark side of the family business, meaning the sleeping there at night because there's no alarm system, the people dropping a brand new $4,000 TV and you having to deal with the insurance claim or something? Yeah, I don't think that it was ever sugarcoated. I, and he never said, you should do this. So it wasn't that there was a pull from him. Um, I definitely saw the dark side. My father died in 1986. He was... 38 years old, the year I am now. Creepy. Wow. Um, he had a massive heart attack, and he died. He flatlined. And he knew enough that he drove himself to a healthcare facility where my mom worked at the time, walked into the healthcare fa- and collapsed. Wow. So this is not a hospital. Um, there was a doctor on staff, and they took my mom out of the room, and they shocked him back to life. And he, and I have no memory of this. I have no, and I was six, seven years old at the time. I have no memory. Um, Two years later, he had a second heart attack. Now that one I remember, but that wasn't nearly as serious. At the time he had that first one, he had had a partner for a very short time. His partner packed it all up. My father, who woke up from death, said, go and make sure my store doesn't close. My mom drove back to the store and it was from West Seneca to Hamburg and said, uh, and she said, what are you doing? I'm packing up. It's, it's over. Good run. She said, no, he's going to come better. He's going to get better. He's going to come back. And he did. Um, so when I say blood, sweat, and tears, I'm not kidding. Um, fo- this is before unlisted phone numbers. So every weekend we would get a call. Do you remember big satellite dishes, like eight feet wide? It would turn on yeah. your roof. They He used to get a call in the, like, 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Hey, Tommy, what uh, what satellite is it? G1, F2. That, what 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 station the game going to be on? And he we get those calls all the time. And we had one of the first unlisted numbers when that became available. Okay, yeah. So there's some craziness certainly in the in the early years. That's funny. You can get anything on those. It took some time to find it. You could get back feeds. I remember having the back feed to the one of the the wars when we were kids. Oh, I like the the back feeds of the football. No talking. Yep. Just you can get crowd sounds on. Back to the Oscars. Oh wow, nice. All sorts of crazy stuff. Oh, those seem cool. I, there's still a few floating around. Uh, the really old house down the street, I think, has one in the backyard. But uh, that old man never comes outside because <laughs> he's watching his G2 satellite. <laughs> yeah. Well, Heather, we kind of went back in time a little bit, but it was really cool hearing about your dad. But if you speed it back up to after you bought the business. Um, these, these past couple of years, has there been any sort of, you know, small defeat or challenge or obstacle that has sort of forced you to, I guess, pivot or adapt or just basically overcome to stay on your path? I like to call it the internet. <laughs> that internet. 
So uh, certainly in the residential side, we've become a very price-driven market. So how do you compete with that? Um, a lot of that is we sell solutions versus product. So a Samsung TV to a Samsung TV, we can talk about price. But all of the rest of the pieces that make it seamlessly float above your fireplace, that's what we provide. Um, one of the other ways when you talk about pivoting is we've been doing a lot more commercial. So in 2014, 50% of our business was commercial, 50% residential. And here in 2015, as we close out, our commercial sales will overtake our residential sales. That's pretty wow. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, buying a TV or a VCR or anything online is... VCR. He did say VCR. To he me, went back in time again. <laughs> buying any of those things to me has always been price driven because I was somebody that had very little money to to spend on a, a new TV or a DVD player. But now that I'm getting just a little bit more wiser, I think providing a solution to what if I don't want just a TV on my wall, I want a TV to be able to talk to my phone, to my speaker outside, and to the other TV in my workout room. How how do I make that work? I can come you to go. you for that. That segment brought to you by Southtown Audio <laughs> Video. Thanks, Rich. In uh, adapting to the commercial world, any lessons for the future you want to keep in mind? Um, so commercial world, the the big lesson of I have to be conscious of how long terms are. So I had a healthcare facility, we'll call it, who said we would love to do some business with you. Um, it was just under $10,000 and they said, we'd, we'd love to do it. But just so you know, call one, day one, we don't pay for 90 days. Well, most of my terms would be, I have to pay them back in 30 days. So if I buy a product from Rich, and 30 days later, I have to pay him back. Because you could absolutely overstretch and be in a lot of trouble. So you have to set things up in you know line of credit. And you really have to start reading that fine print that you really never paid attention if you, as a customer, come in and you say, I want to buy a TV, I would say, Rich, give me 50% down. And then when I deliver it, you pay the rest. I My risk is very low there. I didn't order the TV to give me the 50%. And then you gave me the rest before I delivered it. Not a lot of risk. But in the commercial world, when they become some of these um, bigger, larger companies that might not pay for 30, 60, or 90 days, you just have to be aware of what their terms are. You got to make sure you read that fine print. Um, to make sure that you don't get in over your head. Um, and then in the meantime, because we play both sides, we're playing commercial and residential, and how much do you purchase because you're trying to estimate how many people are going to buy. That's not that bad of a defeat in, or obstacle, in my opinion. And let me qualify that. You are learning these lessons that seem to be a little bit more valuable than the frustration or stress in the moment that is temporary. It's awesome. I love my job. Yeah. I love the potential every day when I come to work, when I park my car and I walk into the company. Um, and I think, God, there, there's so much that can be done. There's so there, This can be this amazing thing. We can change lives and not change lives in the way the doctor does. I get that. We're not trying to say that we are, but change lives and make it a, your day a little bit better. Come home from a tough day of work and turn some good tunes on as you pour a glass of wine. Um, be in a conference area where you have to plug something in or wirelessly and it's just there on the TV and it didn't cause you stress. Um, change lives that way. Um, no, I will say that sometimes I go to bed and wake up at midnight and go, oh my God, what was I thinking? <laughs> but uh it's all there. So what, looking ahead with the uh, business and more importantly you, we're, we're here to, to uh, talk to you as well. Uh, where do you see the business going? Let's say five years, 10 years, and then 
also for you, are you going to run this show to the end or are you going to, you know, you took that class. People sell businesses. They do sell businesses. I, I don't, I don't want to have when I'm 60. So, and I said that to my father before I bought it from him, just so you know, my intention is not to do this when I'm 65 years old. Um, I want to have a good run. Certainly. I want to be profitable. I want to make my employees. I want them to do well. I want to help people out there in the world. I, if I could create it and not have to worry about all the, that, the rest that I just spoke of, um, I would step away at some point from the trenches of the day to day and do things like what we're doing right here. I love this part. I sit as a membership committee for my, one of my associations. I'm on a bunch of boards. If I can give back to the people who are just growing up in this industry, I think that would be really great. I would teach. I would love to teach. Um, I taught my first class this year at CDO, which is our association, which wasn't really teaching. I moderated a panel. It's like cheat teaching. Um, I'm comfortable enough to be on stage and, and to do that. So I think that I would take a step back and who knows what the business will become. You know, one thing we brought up at the start, but we didn't touch on at all, is uh, you do some writing. Uh, it's it's online. I do. Want to just tell tell us a little bit yeah. about that? So I write for one of our industry trade publications called Residential Systems. So it's to other integrators, other people who do what I do. I write for them weekly to bi-weekly online. Um, and I've written, and that's given me opportunity to write for others as well. So I've written for maybe a half dozen other associations and businesses um, uh, from the technology standpoint, you know, try to take that complicated thing and make it easier to understand. Um, and that's a lot of fun. That writing alone made me take a step back from the day-to-day and look at the industry as a whole and really helped infuse and reinvigorate what I do day-to-day. That sounds pretty good. I mean, in the near future and distant future, you have a successful business to run. You have this hobby of being a volunteer in the community, a mom, a writer. You have a lot going on. Live in the dream. Hashtag, the, we're back to that, Phil. Hashtag live in the dream. Got so many hashtags. This is going to be a great hashtags. post when it finally comes on here. We got a hashtag live in the dream. Got that one too. Well, we always like to end with uh, any advice or final thoughts. And it's not so much uh, you know personal as it is to, what would you say to someone who is just starting out in the business world? Maybe they have a family company like uh, uh, like Bill and you and, and it's dad's company. Or maybe it is somebody just has this idea and they, they haven't taken that first step. Um, you know, What would you say to them just starting out? I would say jump. I would say jump. Be somewhat responsible in your jump so that you have, you know, that there's water in the pool at least. <laughs> Don't jump into an empty pool. But, but we only get one shot at this life. Right. And there is nothing worse I can think of than to do a job I hated because it occupies the most amount of time of anything else we do. Um, so I, I think I say jump. Um, figure it out. Make sure there's water in the pool. And right. then jump. <laughs> now, was there anything that was specifically holding you back from jumping? And if so, um, you know, again, this is more of an advice aspect or segment that we're trying to get into. You know, how would you recommend to somebody to get over that? Be a bit fearless. Make sure you have a good tribe. Um, my tribe is everything. My mom has my kids right now because my husband is working late. You have to make sure that those things are covered. I would have never, I've had some opportunities to jump in other pools. Um, and I haven't taken those direct those because I also know at the end of my life, 
watching my kids grow up is super important. So to take a different, to jump into a different pool that I missed that would have devastated me. If not now, then later on. So, you know, know what you want out of life too. No one lies on their deathbed and says, wish I would have worked more. Oh, that's the truth. Wow. This, uh, when we started this thing out, Bill, a few months ago, it seems like we said it was going to be, you know, entertaining and maybe at times inspirational and motivational. I think that's one of the, one of those episodes. Today. Yeah, I think so. Again, where can we find you online? Southtownav.com and um, Twitter, tech underscore chi. I'm a whole different personality there. It's my alter ego. That's the entertainment part. That is the entertainment part. That's, uh, I believe there's a balance between technology and the rest of life. Ooh. Also on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, uh, yes, yes. I just looked it up, Southtown Audio Video. Thank you. Well, that's about it for today. Again, special, special thanks to our guest, Heather Sidorowitz. Be sure to follow her online. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. Until next time.